Well, we are moving through the book of Revelation. It is a difficult book. It's looking ahead to the end times. That's why it's at the end of the Bible. And in that book, there are glorious, incredible things that we can learn. Even though it seems like it's a kind of a saga of different scenes that are strange and hard to understand. But if you've been a Bible reader for years, the book of Revelation begins to pull things together so that we see it in the perspective of this is what Jesus Christ is going to be doing and is doing. That is what the book of Revelation is. And the real title is, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He has come, but he is still planning for our ultimate home, heaven. And wouldn't we all love to be in heaven right now? I would. Now is good. And it would be kind of amazing if the rapture, which is the raising up of all the believers, dead or alive in Jesus Christ, are raised up and we go to heaven together. It would be amazing if that happened in this service today. That would be the greatest. That's what our heart is looking for. But in the meantime, we are being diligent to be faithful witnesses of Jesus Christ. For those that still don't know about him or haven't yielded their lives to him, that is what the book of Revelation holds out for us as believers. Oh, I wish my friends could be there. I wish my family could be there and we could go together. That's the draw, I think, of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. We're talking about a little bit of a difficult subject this morning, the wrath and the glory of God from Revelation 15. Revelation 15 is the shortest chapter in Revelation. It's eight verses. And I am so glad it's only eight verses <laughs> because 20 or so, it's a lot of work trying to squish it down into one message, which I've been trying to do with Revelation. And every Sunday we read this from the first chapter of Revelation. It's a blessing. So let's read together. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it, for the time is near. And as I've said before, our world has become so united that no time in history have human beings been in touch with each other all over the world. We are living in near times, times when the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back again and we'll see him face to face. So we're going to read this. Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them 
the wrath of God is finished. And I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire and those who had been victorious over the beast and his image and the number of his name standing on the sea of glass holding harps of God. And they sang the song of Moses, the bondservant of God and the song of the Lamb saying, Great and marvelous are your works, O Lord God Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. And after these things I looked, and the temple of the tabernacle of testimony in heaven was opened. And the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple, clothed in linen, clean and bright, and girded around their chests with golden sashes. Then one of the living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one was able to enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were finished. We're just going to follow this simple outline on the wrath and the glory of God. The verse says in verse 1, Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous. Seven angels who had seven plagues, which are the last, because in them the wrath of God is finished. In this verse, it would appear that the wrath of God and the glory of God are expressed in this verse with the words, great and marvelous. When we think of wrath, most people think that wrath and anger are the same. But you know, they are not. In fact, they're almost poles apart particularly when we're talking about the wrath of God. The wrath of God is not anger. What? But wrath and anger. If you look in a dictionary, a modern dictionary, you will find the definition of wrath equals anger. But the nuance of the word wrath has more to do with justice and character and right living than anger, as far as an emotion word. Wrath really has nothing, particularly when we're talking about God, wrath has nothing to do with his feelings, God's feelings. It has to do with his righteousness and his righteousness being put aside or ignored or turned against and rejecting. God loves. God gives joy. Those things seem to be to us emotions, don't they? Love and joy are emotions. But wrath itself is not an emotion. It is a response to injustice. And God, when he looked at Adam and Eve, he acted 
injustice regarding if you eat of the fruit of this forbidden tree, you shall surely die. That wasn't God saying, I am so angry with you. Parents, does that ring a bell? That's what we do with our children. God didn't say that. He says, because you have eaten of the fruit, you shall surely die. And they did. They began to die. It had to do with God's character and his nature, not with his heart. In fact, his heart was broken because of their sin. He had created this beautiful environment, and especially beautiful, the Garden of Eden, where he had put this couple. And his heart was broken that they would listen to someone who said, if you eat this fruit, you will become like God himself. They believed a lie. God is God of truth. He's a God of justice. He's a God of righteousness. He's the one we love so much because of who he is. And we should love him more for who he is than what he gives us. That's what wrath means. Let's remember Jesus' words to the church of Laodicea. It was the last of the seven churches in the beginning of Revelation. Now, we would like to have MCC, the name of our church here, to be listed as one of the great churches, but its name is not there. And there were churches like Ephesus and Smyrna and other towns during the time of the writing of the book of Revelation. But the things that are being said about this church, Laodicea, and they were a church that was kind of, uh, kind of lax. They were, no, I'm not going to say it. I was going to say secret friendly. No, um, <laughs> they were a church that just anything goes. Just come and we have a happy time together and we're going to just enjoy being together and see you next week. No, they had lost their first love. And the words of Jesus to the church of Laodicea were, you are neither cold nor hot. I will spit you out of my mouth. That was anger? No. It was the judgment of God against the people who were lukewarm. They weren't red-hot Christians. They were Christians who were easygoing about the Christian life. You know, the Christian life is a path for us who love, admire, and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we don't just give him anything out of our back pocket just to honor him. No, we love him, we adore him because he has given us eternal life. He has given of himself on the cross, taken my place, I deserve to die, not Jesus. And so he says, I never knew you. I'll spit you out of my mouth. But he says also to Laodicea, if anyone hears my voice 
and opens the door, I will come into him and we'll have supper and we'll have a meal together and fellowship together. If anyone opens the door. You know, we have a custom here in Japan where, well, not so much anymore or in Tokyo. I don't hear it at all here in Tokyo. But when we were living up in Utsunomiya, which is countryside, if you go to the neighbor or go down the street to someone that you wanted to get to meet, you would slide the door open and you would say, Gomen kurasai! <laughs> Jesus must have gone to the Genkan of many a door. Gomen kurasai! Which means, please show me your face. Go, men. <laughs> and then the person, the owner of the house, or the person of the house, would come to the Genkan, and you'd be able to talk with them. Jesus said, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and we'll fellowship together. That's what Jesus wants with us, to fellowship with us. Have you heard Jesus' voice? Let's talk about wrath. Interesting thing about the anger of man is that it does not accomplish or achieve the righteousness of God. Many times it runs right over righteousness and jumps to a conclusion that you have harmed me, you have intended to do that. We come with those kind of things to one another, don't we? We are quick to assign judgment on people and we hold it for a long time. Even when they said, oh, I'm so sorry. No, you're not. We get really emotional about it. God is not that way. Jesus is not that way. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Romans 1.18. By the way, the book of Romans, which we studied a while back, is a very, very insightful book. And if you haven't read it, I would suggest, why don't you read Romans before you read Revelation? Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 2.5, But because of your stubbornness and unrepented heart, you are storing up for yourselves in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. The wrath of God is righteous, righteous judgment. I would rather, rather, rather have God judge me because he is a righteous judge. Romans 2.8 But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and indignation. Indignation means disappointment or a sense of uh, rejection or of, it's anger, it's rejection, but it's not, it's stronger than disappointment. Yeah. Romans 5, 9, much more than, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved 
from the wrath of God through him. Whoa. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. That is what we have when we place our trust in Jesus Christ. In another verse from Romans, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. In other words, revenge belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us as men against one another. Jesus said in John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish or come under the sentence of death, but have eternal life. Just 20 verses later, in verse 36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. Good. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides or rests on him. Wow. How many of you want to receive Jesus right now so that you don't have his wrath? That's the appeal of Jesus Christ who hung on the cross for us. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's the call of Jesus Christ. The wrath of God is based on his character. We've talked a little bit about that. Here are some verses. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Yes, it is. To wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath to come. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm free from God's judgment because of Jesus. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Think about that. Memorize that. Understand that. We're talking about another character of God or demonstration or display of God, and that's his glory. What is the glory of God? John's vision of Jesus in Revelation 1, 12 to 16, there's 10 things that we learned in Revelation 1. John saw one like a son of man clothed in a robe, reaching to the feet. White robe, clean robe, speaking of his righteousness. And girded across his chest with a golden sash, that he was a high priest for us. He could represent us as a man because he was a man and is a man, the God-man. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, 
two-edged sword. The Word of God is a two-edged sword. The Bible slices even to the inner thoughts of all of us. And his face was like the sun shining in its strength. That's describing our Lord Jesus Christ. As John saw him when he was allowed to look into heaven, that's what he saw. That's who he saw. That's how he saw Jesus. Psalm 19 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth. What voice is this? All nature speaks of Creator God. He's the one who created us and created everything in it. And that's who our adoration and our worship should be pointed to. That He is the one that we're gathered to in this room and to Him with our lives. Do you know the glory of God? Have you experienced it? Is it part of your life? If you know Jesus, you've entered in. And you know how glorious it is of what Jesus has done for you. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That light in our hearts is what makes us feel light or joyful. We're not weighted down with our sins. But what they're talking about here is the brightness and the glory of Jesus Christ living in me, living in you. Do you understand it? Does it captivate you? Does it make you understand what Jesus has given you of himself? I'll come into you and eat with you, live with you. That's what Jesus has done for us who believe in him. He is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What a prayer. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings, Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. And then for God, who said light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And I won't take time to explain what that last verse really leads into. Go home and click on Ravi Zacharias, R-A-V-I, Probably if you just put Ravi, R-A-V-I, it will pop up and type in light or knowledge or glory of God and his explanation. It's about four minutes of explanation. 
it'll save me time. So please do that at home. Praise the Lord. This is a time for us to come together as believers in Jesus Christ for what he has done for us, that he has brought us together as one body. He has saved us from our sins and the condemnation of our sins so that we have before us here something that Jesus gave to his disciples and he asked us to continue it until he come. And so this is just a simple demonstration of what Jesus did with his disciples the night that he was hung on a cross of giving his body for us as a sacrifice and that the wine or the juice that we have here is a demonstration of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have received the inner cleansing of Jesus' blood because my blood coming from my mom and dad and from my grandparents and from my great-grandparents has polluted me and I, blood coursing through my veins, that blood is sinful by birth because I'm a son of Adam and Eve. And not only that, because I have committed sin upon sin upon sin against God, I need his cleansing. I need his blood in me. And what does the blood of Jesus cry out? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. He hung on the cross and said those words. But what was the first man that died? It was Abel. And what does his blood cry? It doesn't say specifically, but I can assume it says revenge against his brother who killed him. How do I know? Because it's in my heart. And it's in your heart as well. And so we come to this table, to Jesus saying, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood for your redemption. Hallelujah.